Snobbery, the uh, podcast where we dive headlong into movies and their relationship, perhaps to psychology or society or psychoanalysis sometimes. And today we've got a movie that is ripe for the interpretation because it is the 1990 blockbuster film Total Recall starring the Terminator. Ah, uh, the Terminator. I was going to say starring Schwarzenegger himself. Uh Total Recall, this one started out in kind of a funny way. You suggested it, John, and for some reason, I always get Total Recall and Judge Dredd mixed up in my head. Um, one is a 90s action movie that's sci-fi about uh, Stallone, and the other one is Schwarzenegger, and this is the Schwarzenegger one. Who's we're just kind of like the two big action star buff guys of like the 80s and 90s, and it seems like yeah. maybe they... I think they didn't really like each other for a while because they were kind of vying for like alpha male dominance but really they, they're definitely friends now ah yeah maybe they realized with the with the coming of people like jason statham they they had to just put aside their old differences and team up <laughs> right <laughs> and they still got defeated by Dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> yeah he defeated everyone uh, yeah, this movie was like... recommended actually by our friend David Spitz. So thank you, David. Yeah, thank you very much, David. It's uh, uh, always always good to know that you're you're our listener. Along with, um, I recently was uh, informed by one of our listeners, Aaron Brunmeyer. Aaron Brunmeyer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was he was recently telling me. Uh, so yeah, there you go, listener. Now you know we personally know Aaron Brunmeyer. This man we've mentioned before. Uh, <laughs> I think for a while we played him off like he was just some super fanboy that we've never met. But anyway, we know him and he, he asked for a shout out. No, he didn't. He, he was just saying how much he enjoyed some stuff about general snobbery. So I said, we'd give him a shout out. Good. It's good to know our one listener has at least two forms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> another, uh, another common identity that has two forms is Schwarzenegger in Total Recall. Yeah, he has two uh, distinct and might I say, um, very well done and well thought out forms. This movie did not skimp yes. on just like deus ex machina, just like, ah, eh, what the fuck ever in the end, everyone will be confused. So that doesn't matter. This movie actually took some effort into exploring those, those two selves. Hmm. Seems like you might have a comparison in mind or something, perhaps of a movie that is the opposite <laughs> side of that spectrum. <laughs> um one <laughs> one doesn't immediately come to mind i think just a general feel but w certainly a movie came to mind a lot uh through <laughs> as i watched this and i think you know the answer to that uh my my guess would have to be the movie inception yes that is definitely correct <laughs> a movie um yeah i don't know i mean especially watching a movie like total recall in light of the fact that it came out 20 years before Inception, it just oh, yeah. made me re like realize that Inception did absolutely nothing new. Yes. It's like, okay, identity, dream, something like that. Anyway, yeah. that just uh, 
kind of stuck out to me. Right. I feel like as we kind of get through this movie, there's going to be a lot of good reasons to further our analysis of why Inception is such a bad movie, which, yeah. um, listener, if you want to look at some of our in-depth analysis of that, just Google Inception sucks and you'll find our posts at the top. Um, but this it's always good to find new reasons. Yeah. Why Inception sucks is like an onion. You have to peel back layer after layer. Or should I say it's like a dream? <laughs> Just like <laughs> There are dream. many layers to it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where, do we, where do we begin with this one? I feel like this one has to be a quick uh, OGGS and uh, mm-hmm. attack the plot. I could be wrong because it's, it's so convoluted. However, I do think this movie, you have to start at the very, very beginning. Meaning right. the very first scene. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Because, I mean, it's just, it's, oh, man, I I I think it's my favorite first scene of any single movie ever made. <laughs> and I totally forgot. Like, I see this meme, though, of Schwarzenegger's face. But um, anyway, you want to take it away? I, 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 as I watched this, I, I wasn't only enjoying it. I was thinking about how much you enjoyed it when you watched it. <laughs> There are really so many amazing things about this first scene, and I, one of the f- most amazing things is it's about one minute long. Like it's uh-huh. really, really short, and it's basically just Schwarzenegger's on Mars with this brunette woman, mm-hmm. and he he slips over the edge of like a, a Mars like cliff, and so instantly, <laughs> like before, before he even has any lines, we just get all these Schwarzenegger screams, yeah. which. If, I mean, you can probably imagine in your mind, but like it's a really <laughs> funny scream. It's like kind of kind of frog like, a little guttural. Just like, ah, ah, and oh, that's such a great way to put it. Yeah, so he's he kind of tumbles down this like, red slope and then smashes his face onto a rock, and the glass shatters, and we basically just get this like close up of Schwarzenegger screaming as his eyes start to bug out of his own face. And I think other facial distortions kind of happen, like his tongue gets super big or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. I think like yeah, his whole face basically starts to grow massively. Yeah, he just turns into this like weird Roger Rabbit cartoon guy. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Except like it's still oh my Schwarzenegger. god, you're so right. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Lloyd when he kind of he Lloyd. gets all like squeaky. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> God, that like the like the scene when Donovan rots from Indiana Jones and in the Last Crusade. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, Christopher Lloyd and, and Roger Rabbit used to freak me the fuck out when I was a kid. But this one just makes you laugh. This one makes me laugh because yeah, so Schwarzenegger his his mask breaks because he hits this like thing, and yeah, his eyes start bulging out, and you start hearing. Which first of all, this movie just to jump ahead real quick, I love that this movie spared no expense on prosthetic faces. mm Hmm. This this movie had first of all a lot of weird prosthetic like accoutrements to faces, but also like the actor's whole face that's clearly just this like rubber like model that they could like do anything with, like blow it up to disproportionate sizes and make the eyeballs bulge out. I was like, th- <laughs> thank you for putting some effort into this and just fully fucking committing. Right. <laughs> so then, amidst the Schwarzenegger grunts, it's a quick cut to. Schwarzenegger in a bed sitting up very fast because all of this has been a dream and as he sits up he 
he lets out another grunt. <laughs> sort of a scream. <laughs> Were you struck by how similar it was to the beginning of Independence Day 2? Yeah, that's, yep, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say the, the, the Bill Pullman Independence Day resurgence, that scene was surprised me more. I, I think I, I I think I like Total Recall better, but Independence Day surprised me more. And Bill Pullman, right. his scream was much more intense. <laughs> If you haven't seen Independence Day Resurgence, listener, we're not wouldn't necessarily tell you to watch the whole movie, but you should definitely watch the first scene. Yeah, it's like two minutes, and you'll probably get a really good laugh. <laughs> Matt and I definitely did. I think I think we laughed for a solid five minutes. I I don't think I saw the first five minutes of that movie because I was laughing. <laughs> oh man! So Schwarzenegger is like. <laughs> Just he's this guy named Doug Quaid, <laughs> and I, I always love these '90s movies when Schwarzenegger is in it, and he just has this like normal American guy name. Yeah, <laughs> they just like don't really explain why he's an Austrian man with <laughs> name like Doug. You're right, and in so like many in, uh, jiggle all the way. His name is Howard. Yeah. You're right. His name's Howard. His his Austrian <laughs> accent is never ever addressed. Uh, right. I mean, like, even to the point where he was in multiple movies where he was, like, a high-ranking, like, commando or, like, member of, like, the U.S. military. And it's like, yeah, there, there are foreign-born American citizens who serve in the military, but I don't think it's, like, super common. Right. <laughs> then again, he ended up living that out by becoming the actual governor of California. <laughs> yeah, you're right. A man who, like, at the very least had, like, control over that state's National Guard and military. So it's like... <laughs> It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, right. So, um, yeah, Doug Doug Quaid really wants to go to Mars. And his wife, Sharon Stone, is like, no, we can't go to Mars. And there's like this TV on the wall. It's kind of like a Ray Bradbury type of image. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. So apparently there's some unrest going on on Mars where a big corporation-y guy is like mining all this mineral called like termanium or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. So basically it's the the plot of uh, Avatar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Avatar, it seems like maybe he stole this idea, uh, kind of big corporation mining something and there's a resistance. Yeah. Uh-huh. So fuck you, Cameron. Fucking Cameron. Stole yeah, everything. That guy's name is um I knew I would freaking forget it. Cohagen. Cohagen. Mm-hmm. I, every time I heard that name, I started laughing very hard because thought of Denmark. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it's like, why is this man's name Cohagen? <laughs> Similar it's, like it's really close to Copenhagen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the closest yeah. word I've ever heard to Copenhagen. <laughs> Yeah, yes, like to the point almost where it was like, it was almost distracting because every time I heard the name Cohagen, I like, for like my mind would like quickly wander and think about Denmark. And I had to like bring myself back to the movie. Yeah, it, it stuck out to me like when they said his name, I was like, I've heard that word before. Like that's a very familiar word. And it took me a while to like yeah. make that connection. It's like, why the fuck is this guy's name Cohagen? <laughs> Is this thoroughly I guess, enjoyable? 
I guess we have Philip K. Dick to thank for that, assuming that the uh-huh. character's name was Cohagen in the short story that he wrote. Okay, yeah. That this was based on. Although it's possible it was changed because in the short story, it wasn't Douglas Quaid, it was Douglas Quail. Interesting. Yeah. I, I guess, huh. I, I guess I appreciate that. I think I feel like Quail would have, all, like, every time made me think of a bird and so. But Quaid made me think of Dennis and Randy. <laughs> me too. I thought of Dennis Quaid constantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man there are some good names Richter Richter who is Richter Richter is he was of, like the Emma, the bad guy like yeah. the head honcho beneath Cohagen correct yes the guy who isn't paid to think <laughs> that's exactly right yeah and who uh, who is the the teacher and like the 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 colonel in um, Starship Troopers Ah, the guy with like one arm. Yep, he's the one arm teacher. Gosh, when you said the teacher and the colonel, I immediately thought of the water boy, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also a teacher and also a colonel. Right. A different type of colonel. Right, but very explicitly, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Sometimes I think about that and it makes me laugh a lot. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Our website gives us some data on like what people are searching and how they come to our website. And like, you know, the top one is like Inception sucks or like why Inception is a bad movie. But top five is definitely Waterboy Colonel Sanders. That's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> people search that quite a bit. And oh my God, it's it's good to know that that's something that people care about. Right. It is. And it's how one of our <laughs> listeners... Amanda Pumpkins became a listener when she went to the podcast and, and she searched Adam Sandler and philosophy. And our mm-hmm. podcast was the only one that showed up. <laughs> it's nice to know. We can rest uh-huh. comfortably in that. <laughs> so we got so, Richter. Um, Richter. I'm always kind of amazed in a movie where like there's this guy who's just clearly evil like Richter mm-hmm. like just a bad guy who doesn't mind killing people in a Including second innocent people yeah lots of innocent people die in this movie mm-hmm. which led to one of I think the funniest moments I agree do you know what I'm talking about yes absolutely <laughs> which uh, part <laughs> escalator yeah I knew it right when I saw that I was like I actually wasn't even laughing because I was like, this is, it, it struck me. It, it like, I wasn't ready for such a, such a <laughs> remarkably funny, like comic break in, in an otherwise intense scene. So, uh, Schwarzenegger <laughs> is being chased by Richter and some of his goons, including this like bleach blonde goon who like seems like yeah. he's right out of the eighties. Yeah. The fuck is that guy yeah he i guess he, yeah he was bridging 80s action movies into the 90s mm-hmm. this character almost he seemed to convey that he perhaps had a moral compass because at one point he didn't want to shoot at at quaid because he was afraid he would break the glass dome which maybe you could say that's like a more of like a utilitarian decision preservation yeah anyway um so schwarzenegger quaid is being chased by richter and some goons and He's like running up an escalator and basically being chased from behind. But at the top of the escalator are more of these goons and they start firing at, <laughs> at Quaid. And in the process of firing into this, 
just indiscriminately into this crowd of people going up this escalator. They hit and kill a guy. And at which point, at which point Quaid grabs the man by like the back of the shirt and starts using him as a shield. (laughs) And you just see this like lifeless guy constantly. He's getting shot more and more until finally. I like that. That stiff from the Goonies, like just completely lifeless, like head drooped, except he's just getting just pummeled with bullets. Yeah. So, so Quaid then shoots all those guys at the top of the escalator, and then the guys behind him start shooting at him. So he turns around, he's still with the man as a shield, and then he starts shooting those people, and then eventually he just throws this lifeless man at them. It was truly, truly amazing. It was so amazing. And he starts to run away, and we get like a one second close up of one of the goons just stepping on another dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is so he just right. Like steps on his chest. The guy's still dead, and then we just go back to the chase. Yes, this this for me really exemplified. So we haven't said this yet, but this movie um, was directed by Paul Verhoeven mm. of uh, of Starship Troopers fame. So kind of a similar futuristic. Um, like very very funny take on like the future um as well as these like deeper themes and somehow this this really interesting sort of sub theme that Paul Verhoeven movies seem to have which is like disregard of the dignity of people and using that in his benefit to make these like comedic scenes so basically hmm. just like what should be kind of a tragedy this stranger being shot and then <laughs> stepped on he somehow turned into like a very funny scene. You think that was intentional to make that funny? I think it was. For, yeah. For me, there were, there were scenes like that throughout this movie that I felt like were intentionally supposed to be funny. There were others just like that I, I to me, because I feel like this movie is, it's saying a deeper message. And so it, it has an element of satire to it. I don't think you're supposed to watch it thinking that the filmmakers were trying to be like totally serious with everything they did. Like mm-hmm. the cabs, the cab drivers, mm-hmm. um, Johnny cab, the Johnny cabs, those I fucking thought were so funny. And I thought to myself, there's no way they made this. And we're like, Ooh, the future probably will be like this. This is cool. I think they were like, how can we make a really fucking stupid cab? It's like, I have an idea. <laughs> like, Make like a weird 1950s robot that says weird shit. Right. <laughs> Hell of a day. <laughs> and mm. like pretty relevant. It's kind of like self-driving type of thing. And yeah, like can't understand what he's actually trying to tell it. <laughs> it can't communicate with it. So he's getting very frustrated, which I think many people experience these days with their Alexis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That and the fact that they spy on us. Right. Yes. A nice, great tool promoted by the NSA. Yeah. Thank you, Bezos. <laughs> Be- Be- Bezos. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, Schwarzenegger gets involved in all this shit because, yeah, he wants to go to Mars. And so there are these things where you can, these companies where you can go to them and they will basically implant a fake memory into your brain. They will mm-hmm. incept something into your brain. Right. <laughs> they will. <laughs> so. Wow. That's that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that it, what inception is? It's going uh-huh. in and planting false memories? Yep. That's exactly what it is. 
holy shit. Yeah. They literally did the exact same thing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But, like, made it try to seem original because, like, people go in instead of, like, a machine doing it. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Inception, it's like the other people enter your dream versus, yeah, this thing where it's just like a download. God damn it. Fucking, that movie's so bad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So they put these fake dreams in or these fake memories in and Schwarzenegger really wants this fake memory of Mars because Sharon Stone won't let him go. And (laughs) as they're, they're putting it in, he gets like this extra offer of whether or not he wants to add the ego trip to his memory ego two trip. weeks on Mars. Mm-hmm. And he's not interested at first, but suddenly when the guy says that he could be a secret agent in his memory, he's like instantly sold. He's yeah. like, secret agent. He really wants that. And then he can like determine like what the the female love interest will look like. And it's like exactly the girl from his dreams. Mm-hmm. And Next thing we know, he goes under and starts freaking out, and we just get all these like really intense Schwarzenegger screams. And another fun part about this movie is that this is this is the height of Schwarzenegger, or it it seems to be kind of the peak of his action career, which wasn't a short lived period; it was yeah. like an extended period. But like, he is a very strong man, and these movies tend to highlight that. Like, you always see that he is very strong. Yeah, and. I think this is the first scene where he like breaks out of restraints that clearly they were designed for no human to break out of and just completely destroys like multiple people at the same time <laughs> while coming out completely unscathed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> was was this the point where he broke out and he like stabbed that scientist in the neck? Uh um, was that later? That might have been later. I think I think that was later because I think those guys were bad. Yeah. Oh man. Um yeah, so this sets basically off this whole chain where you start to anyway, he's running and then he then he's given this like briefcase from another secret agent who was like meant to kind of help him out should he ever like go rogue. And uh basically it it, it all kind of it's kind of hard to explain, but it it's very easy to watch. It makes sense as you watch it, I feel like. I was pretty confused. Were you? Okay. But I'm I'm also pretty dumb. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's it. Uh I feel like <laughs> I what what got me was was trying to trying to piece together like who exactly he was and who was lying and whether yeah. it was a memory or whether it was a dream or whether it was a recall. Total recall. Yeah. Um but basically the point is he it becomes clear that somehow he has actually in the past worked for Cohagen. And mm-hmm. uh he was like a, a secret agent for Cohagen and now he has like gone he's like gone rogue and something has happened to his memory the, and yeah, yeah, they apparently erased his memory, the agency as this like group that or this I mean, I guess more or less the government mm-hmm. on Mars that Cohagen Cohagen controls. They erased the memory of Hauser, which is Schwarzenegger's previous identity and like implanted memories of him being this guy named Douglas Quaid who lives on Earth with Sharon Stone and like runs a jackhammer all day. Mm-hmm. And somehow through the like the recall operation, it like triggered these old memories and 
um, something through that, like a, apparently compromised what was really going on on Mars because then all of a sudden, like his best friend at work tries to kill him because he's just like, you shouldn't have told them about Mars. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger kills him and his three buddies. Like he's doing, he's like, you know, kicking left and right karate chops the neck. He breaks a lot of necks too, which <laughs> is like, that seems to be a big nineties trope where like a man <laughs> just breaks people's necks with like either his hands or like mm-hmm. wrapping his whole arm around the neck. Um, <laughs> Ford Ford does it in Air Force One. He breaks a guy's neck. Does he? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, and I believe that Arnold does it quite a bit in True Lies. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of neck breaking. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I, I think Mad TV did a spoof on that where they, they had Will Sasso playing Steven Seagal just like break necks very easily. He would basically <laughs> yeah. just touch their face and their neck would break. <laughs> So Quaid like runs home and he's like, I don't know what's happening. He has no idea like why people are trying to kill him. Um, he like kind of doesn't remember. I don't know. He seems very confused. And then Sharon yeah. Stone's trying to kill him. And then he like defeats her in a little fight. And she says, she starts to like reveal this kind of stuff. And then Richter's after him all of a sudden. Basically, it just becomes like all these people chasing him as he's... Is, what's his intention? Is it to get away or is he trying to get somewhere? Like he's going to Mars, but is it just because like he still really wants to go to Mars? Well, he ends up going to Mars because that other secret agent gives him a briefcase. And in the briefcase, right. Hauser, his former personality, I guess you could call it, identity, um, before yeah. his mind was erased, is like get to Mars, go to this place and give them this ID. And uh, basically Mm -hmm. then from there, you'll figure out what's going on. That's right. So he shows up at the Hilton and it's just kind of, you know, follows following this chain of events and it ends up leading him to, um, it's kind of like a nightclub type of place. Yeah. I forget what it's called. Even. What'd you say? I forget as well. Yeah. Was it kind of like a strip club? It seemed like kind of like a strip club kind of place. Yeah. Yeah, because that's where the famous woman with three boobs is. <laughs> yeah. And they showed her three boobs, like, at least three times. Right. <laughs> like, just in case you missed it the first time. Like, <laughs> yep, there's still three. <laughs> it's just funny, because that kind of reminded me of the character fr- uh, from Futurama. I forget her name. Um, hmm. But uh, she had one eye and one boob. Oh, right, right. It kind of almost, it, it kind of reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any, yeah. Any, yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Seemed very, like, childish. Right. Childish thing of me to say. One oh, person. That? Yeah. One person <laughs> with, with a number of boobs other than two reminded me of another person with a number of boobs other than two. Well, there's not too many, like, that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Like, any reference points in really any culture or life in general, so... It's for a while, there, out. <laughs> there was a rumor for a while that Bill Clinton had four nipples. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard that? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when that was a rumor, but <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> like, it's not three. There was just one extra. There's two more. <laughs> just like in random parts of his torso or leg <laughs> <laughs> yeah one on the top of his foot and the other one on his left bicep 
<laughs> it's weird to think of people like Bill Clinton as even like having a body. Like, <laughs> like you don't really see it. You see hands and stuff. But like to think it's of true. this man having just an actual human body is a bit strange. Yeah, you know, the onion, uh back before they within recent weeks, I have found them not funny. Uh yeah infuriatingly unfunny yeah that's fucking ridiculous um but back a few years ago maybe like five or six years ago they had a very funny article and it was it was like bill clinton shows nation his penis because he knows we're all thinking about it (laughs) it just showed the cgi picture of bill clinton like at like a rally just like waving to everyone and just his penis through his zipper <laughs> it was very funny. It actually showed it. It did. I mean, it was a, it was like a CGI cartoony right, looking wiener, yeah. but it, they did show it. It was very funny. That's good. So eventually, it comes around that Hauser worked for. Well, he knew he worked for Cohagen, but like the story was that he had learned about some like something deep in the pyramid mine, mm-hmm. and like decided to turn against them. Correct. But it turns out that like Hauser is still working for Cohagen, and everything has been like a setup mm-hmm. to to use Quaid to lead them to the rebels. Yeah, who are led by Cuato. Cuato. So, uh, listener, a few nights ago, Sean texted me Cuato, and um, <laughs> I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. Once I saw Cuato in the movie, I was like. Now I remember, but I I hadn't realized who Kuato was, but I could just tell, I, I told you this already, Sean, but I could tell by your text that there was a, there must be a character named Kuato who looks funny and who you found to be very entertaining. <laughs> entertaining is one word for it. Um, deeply well, and horrifyingly disturbing would be another word. Yeah. How, how would you describe Kuato? Well, physically, he's sort of a being that lives on this guy's chest. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it looks like a crossover between Danny DeVito and that doll from the movie Chucky. Oh, yeah. He totally had a doll look to him. He was oddly slimy. I don't really know why he would be slimy because he's not like he exists on a parts of your body aren't just slimy. Um Right. I, I Although these people who had the mutant distortions in their faces, the, the distortions tended to be a bit slimy yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. You know, the the one mutant, I think his like name Tony. was Tommy. Yeah. Tony. 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 Do, do you know who that actor is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dean, Dean Norris. Dean Norris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Breaking Bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad you remembered his name because I, I would have forgotten it. <laughs> yeah. Hank. Uh, Hank. Yeah. So, Quato, I... Quato for me reminded me of that little alien from Men in Black, who oh, says that yeah. the universe the universe is on Orion's belt. On Orion's, which because he is because miniature a, and like he kind of groans when he talks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I would have found Quato a lot more disturbing had his voice been um, more different, but his voice was actually pretty soothing, hmm. which I could see how that would freak some people out. But for me, it was like I wouldn't have been able to handle like a more disturbing Quato voice. Yeah. So I actually appreciated that. Hmm. 
It also reminded but, uh, me a little bit of um, of Voldemort in the first Harry Potter movie when Voldemort lives on the back of Professor Quirrell's head. Ah, uh, okay. That's funny you mentioned <gasps> that because <laughs> Kawato also reminded me of the fetus on the nurse's head from South Park. Oh, totally. Remember, remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which there's right. another there's another South Park reference. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar like, with it? Yeah, directly to Kuato. Yeah, yeah. And I never knew what that meant until I saw this movie just the other night, and it finally clicked. And I'd seen that South Park episode for like at least a decade. Yes, same. And I know South Park does that. There are these moments in South Park episodes where you'll see something, and it's obvious they're referencing something, but you mm-hmm. just don't understand what it is. <laughs> right. And that was one for me. Yeah. Yeah, and this the episode is Aspen, and it's a um, great episode. Yeah, really funny episode all around. And at the end, this is literally the last scene of the episode. And this girl lifts her shirt, and instead of boobs, she has like two kuatos there, <laughs> and, and this like these kuatu breasts just go Quaid, start the reactor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> episode ends like. They're literally just taking a direct line from this yeah. movie for, I mean, it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode, but it must no. just mean that they love Total Recall. Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Trey Parker and Matt Stone had like, they needed that episode to be 10 seconds longer. <laughs> and they're just like, hey, let's just do this. Because <laughs> it, it literally, it's a total non sequitur, right? It has, oh, yeah. I don't remember that, I, I don't even know if that, that lady with the Quato boobs is even in the rest of the episode. Right. <laughs> um, but that comes from... So Quato is this, like, he's the leader of the resistance, even though he's, like, on this guy's stomach. And... <laughs> God, it's funny. And But he's, like, a psychic. And right. I think the idea is that if Quaid goes to see Quato, Quato will help, basically help him re- recall, like, what is actually going on and what he actually Yeah, knows. and, like, to... He he apparently like has information on like the location of these pyramid mines where there's apparently like alien artifacts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess yeah, there's something important that they that yeah that Quaid knows, and I guess Quato kind of because oh my god, he goes take my hands or hold my hands, <laughs> and so Schwarzenegger with these big fucking Austrian hands holds these tiny little like fetus hands of Quato, and. Mm-hmm. I just remember that made me laugh because it was also gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I guess Quato sort of read his mind and and that's maybe where he learned of this reactor. When he says it, start the reactor, it's like, mm-hmm. what? What what reactor? Because mm-hmm. up until that point, we haven't heard of it. Right. I guess the nature of the conflict that's going on on Mars is you got like Cohagen in this you know, ivory tower, like mm-hmm. overlooking it all, just super comfortable, exploiting all these people who are working in his mind to apparently fund a war. Um, they don't really elaborate on that. They just kind of mention it in passing. But I guess through the activity in like these unsafe minds, all these people have like become really disturbingly distorted and like um, very, <laughs> very deformed. Like, yeah. Like multiple elephant mans just kind of running around and mm-hmm. hanging out, and so they're they're revolting under the auspices of Kuatu, Kuato, who apparently no one has ever seen because he <laughs> lives on a man's stomach. Um, 
It's just so ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) And part of Cohagen's power is that he controls the air. So he controls Mm -hmm. all of all of this whole Mars civilization obviously is is like within this greater dome and it's divided into quadrants. And since Cohagen's in charge of everything, he controls the flow of air. And so air is like currency and uh, and he can basically you, you have to kind of, quote, buy the buy Cohagen's air. So during this resistance thing, Cohagen shuts off all this air. And in the meeting with Kwatu, Kwato, I don't know why I did that, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this meeting with Kwato, Richter and his goons find Kwato <laughs> and Schwarzenegger <laughs> because they were led there by the cab guy. Yeah. The cab guy. Yeah. Little uh, classic 90s double cross. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> That was one of the most fun parts about this movie was seeing like '90s, like late '80s and '90s action tropes. Yes, which were seemingly just kind of decided that these would be in like every action movie. <laughs> like you got like the the hitman with his goons. You mm-hmm. got someone that double crosses. You have at least one scene where there's like this like wind vortex and people are having to cling to things to not get sucked out. <laughs> You're right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that was a trope. When I saw that, it, it just kind of clicked. It was like, there are so many like 90s movies, like action movies where this happens. Um, wow. What came to mind was Air Force One. Me too. Uh-huh. Where at the end with, or no, not at the end, in the middle, like the, the hatch opens yeah. and Harrison Ford has to like cling to a pole. Mm-hmm. At the end, the same hatch opens, but they're not getting sucked out <laughs> <laughs> when he's just fighting Gary Oldman. Um, there was... Something similar in Titanic when the ship is like almost vertical and everyone's having to cling to stuff to not fall. You're right. I was thinking also of uh, the first scene of Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. That man (laughs) is getting sucked into the the depths of that shipping container by a velociraptor. And um, I I think there's there's one in in one of the Bond movies. I think there's there's certainly dangling, like dangling above the the satellite. But I feel like there's... Goldeneye. Uh-huh, yeah, golden. Yeah, eye. there's definitely some kind of like wind thing sucking them mm-hmm. out. Um ah, there was another good one that I was thinking of, but I can't quite recall. But yeah. I just got a good amount of enjoyment out of the fact that, that happened twice in total recall. Yeah. Oh, so true. Um and that had to do with like the the dome like being being broken or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so these nineties tropes. I, let me think another nineties oh, trope. That the What's one. that? Sorry, Twister was the other one. Oh, Twister, you know, of course. Where they're getting sucked in at the end. They use the horse saddles to like cling to that that, that pole. Yeah, that pole that yeah. just like goes deep into the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember <laughs> why that would save them. They must have they must have realized that that would be a question. So they just had uh, Bill Paxton quickly say something to Helen Hunt, right? Or she maybe she explained it. Yeah, these things go thirty feet into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, okay. Check that. Problem solved. Plot hole's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, other 90s action tropes are just like firing indiscriminately, running and screaming like the, mm-hmm. during these chase scenes where it's like, can, can these people <laughs> hit? Also, evil people mm-hmm. clearly being dressed in evil clothing. Uh, that's, mm. that's just so fun. Like Richter. He's like, like Richter. It's just very dark, bad guy looking clothes. Yeah. Oh man. 
his goon, his number one goon, he made me laugh a lot, the blonde-haired guy, because he, to me, almost looked like a – he kind of looked like a 1980s CIA agent who would have, like, been arranging, like, coke deals with, like, drug lords in South America. I know that's, like, oddly specific, so it, there must be something – I must be thinking of something. I hmm. I don't know. It makes um, sense with that guy. Yeah, he kind of had, like, a Walter Sobchak haircut and glasses. Hmm. Which made me laugh. Um, you know, real quick, one thing I wanted to say about like the faces, like the weird, um, like rubber prosthetic faces that we see Schwarzenegger have when his eyes bulge, as well as Cohagen later in the movie and whatever. I was like, what was the point of that first dream sequence where Schwarzenegger's mask breaks and his eyes bulge? Right. Like, was it was it a memory? Was it just a dream? And I was like, what was the point of it? And then I thought, you know what? I think it was uh I think it was Paul Verhoeven's attempt at what do they call it? uh future programming that predictive programming? Predictive programming. I think it was predictive programming for the movie to sort of warn the audience, like, don't be alarmed later in the movie when you see these bulgy faces. Like, so we're just gonna hmm. show you a quick little clip of bulging of a bulging face with eyeballs right now so that way when it happens (laughs) later in the movie you're not confused you just accept that that's the way it is that's the way this goes yeah i was trying to figure that out too like what the heck that dream was for Mm -hmm. i'm really still trying to figure out this movie in general like yeah so we've been explaining all these things that are happening but at the same time like, I'm wondering, is this actually just the memory that's being implanted into him? Like, all of these events that are unfolding. Yeah. Are we just actually witnessing, you know, his secret agent memory? Because he literally becomes, you know, like, this yeah. undercover secret agent. And the way that the Total Recall guy explains the ego trip is like, like you get the girl, you beat the bad guys, and you save the planet. And like that's yeah. what happens. Yes, at the end, and he's like describing all these things that are going to happen in the secret agent memory that completely unfold for the rest of the movie. Like, you know, people running and trying to kill him, and him. He even says like something about like a cover up, like mm-hmm. cover up identity. Yeah, so, it's like is that just coincidental or something that like this guy, you know, they actually triggered something in his mind, or like is is the beginning of the memory, the false implanted memory that something went wrong in Total Recall and then everything played out from there. So true. Um, Yeah, because that point when that doctor guy says that, what you explained, like what you're going to get at the end, I definitely had that thought of like that kind of foreshadowing thing where it's like, ah, this is one of those great moments where they're telling you the way the movie is going to end right now, uh, yet it's still going to kind of be surprising. In, mm-hmm. in one way or another, but it's it's kind of fun when that happens, that sort of foreshadowing or whatever. And yeah. I agree. Like this is this is one far more than Inception. I think for me, the question of like Inception, like is the top gonna stop spinning? I think it's just a stupid question. Partly because I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I don't uh-huh. I, I don't care enough about anyone in that movie to actually care if right. that ending scene is a dream or not. Um, right. Also, I just personally, I don't think it's a dream. I think it's real life. And I think if that scene goes on another four seconds, that totem's going to stop spinning. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that. But this I, is one where actually I'm like, fuck, there are like three options as to what is going on. Um, mm-hmm. Number one is it's exactly as it played out. And Quaid was an agent for Cohagen. And then they used him to kind of become this this rebel, but the rebel was actually a false personality and Hauser actually was trying, was still always working for Cohagen. The other option is that the whole thing is that recall, that fake memory, the, the secret agent memory. And for me, I maybe I'd have to watch the movie a few times, but I think it's pretty, I, I think it's very much up in the air. I don't, I don't know the answer mm-hmm. at all. Cause when, um, when he's getting, kind of the details of the secret agent ego trip worked out they ask him pretty specific questions about who he wants the woman to be and he says like brunette athletic and sleazy yeah yeah. and they have this this screen where they're kind of like (laughs) shaping her according to his desires and then they choose like one of seven prototypes Mm -hmm. like oh it's a1 and it shows like a one second close-up of a face and it's the actual woman that he meets on mars it's the same actress that woman that was in his dream at the beginning. So like, how the hell could that be the case? If like, he literally does meet this woman that they have in mind for her, Mm -hmm. for him. It's like, how could it not be a dream then? Yeah. But, but I don't know. I'm sure there's, I, I I think it was clearly intended to like work both ways. Uh And it's just kind of like you choose which one you want to believe in. And that's like, that's kind of the old school cop out, you know, everything was a dream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a real cliche yeah. in terms of stories, especially stories of like a kind of, kind of over the top nature mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. like you know, really, really crazy shit going down. But it seems to have like actual meaning in this movie, like actual philosophical relevance. Yeah. Whereas with Inception, it feels very gimmicky. It's just like, ooh, I tricked you. <laughs> um, it's just it just feels like christopher nolan thinking he's so smart and awesome by like bringing that question up through an image yeah. instead of having characters actually ask it but i don't i don't know i'm not sure why it seems to work here i guess because that that question of identity is so much there like who is this guy really and that depends on whether or not it's a dream so it's not just like ooh, is this a dream it's like who is this guy and the question of whether or not it's a dream is part of that question of identity yeah i i I agree i think it really does have to do with the idea of identity because even this movie who he is i mean they almost speak of the character they almost speak of schwarzenegger in terms of like his his identity as being fluid or able to be manipulated or changed fundamentally and basically his body just like remaining the same so like at one point they show Mm -hmm. hauser and hauser's like thank you for blah 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 but like now i would like my body back or something like that and they're gonna like they're gonna erase the the douglas quaid (laughs) i almost call him dennis quaid they're gonna erase the doug quaid (laughs) part and put basically reinsert hauser or something like that reinsert the the hauser part of his brain um and it was it was odd watching the scenes when Hauser from the TV screen would communicate with Quaid. For me, it, it literally felt like two different people talking to each other. 
And it mm-hmm. would like really brought up these interesting ideas about like, yeah, someone's identity and the memory, what the role memory plays. And, and then Kuato is like, memory isn't who you are. What you do is who you are, which I thought right. that was very profound. That seems to be like, I want to say that's like at the heart of like existential philosophy, like yeah. who you are is based on your actions, right? Um, not based yeah. on who you say you are or something like that. It's like existence before essence. Yeah, something. exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's, like we comment yeah. the world more as like a blank slate and then mm-hmm. action determines identity as opposed to some like something that's just in us at the mm-hmm. point of birth. Yes, exactly. So yeah. it's interesting. I mean, because it is curious. Sharon Stone, if it's all a, if it's all a, like a fake recall, kind of the, the memory implant then how are they going to explain Sharon Stone's death? Because if it's all a if it's all a memory implant, then he actually is Doug Quaid, and he actually works construction on Earth, and he's actually been married to Sharon Stone for eight years. But then once that memory is done, like where is Sharon Stone going to fit into this? Is she alive now? How is that going to work? Because she dies in the movie, right? Right. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there are some that's, questions that's if point. it is all a fake recall. There are some questions that have to be addressed, but then again, everything, everything it's at the, when that fake recall begins, it like points to this, it basically like points to all the ex- future experiences as like, this is all part of the fake memory, mm-hmm. like down to the detail of the face of the woman and the fact that it's like, it's going to seem very real. Like it's, you're not going to be able to distinguish it. And so then as the viewer, you're like, I can't distinguish it. But it's like you were told that's that's how it was going to be. Right. It's really interesting. I think it's I think it's a really mm-hmm. very interesting movie, actually, and like very yeah. smart. Like, yeah. good job, mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick and Paul Verhoeven. And I, I have not seen the new version with Colin Farrell. It's Colin Farrell and uh, uh, I forget Jessica her name. Beale. Jessica Biel. Yeah. And I have a feeling that movie is just like an action movie. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? Here, like, like they take the ideas and stuff, but like the the fun of it just isn't there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, this movie, I I had not seen it till the other day, but it still made me nostalgic because mm-hmm. it's got all those fun '90s tropes that you would find in like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies from yeah. the '90s, like just yeah. like Karate Chop and bad guys and mm-hmm. so many like <laughs> kind of over the top cartoony like spurts of blood <laughs> yeah <laughs> very very violent um but it was, it was just kind of nice to see that like in 1990 there was this big budget action movie that was smart yeah and like about ideas and about things like identity and the fact that back then the studios would Look at the biggest action star in the world, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and apparently at the time this was the most expensive movie like ever produced. Wow! And they just like decided like, yeah, we're gonna put all of this money and this giant action star into this movie that actually has like thought about existence yeah. in it and like makes people question their realities and things like that. It's just like now we get. Another mm-hmm. Avengers movie. I was just going to say that. That's exactly what came to mind. And I am willing to have my mind changed 
I would actually, uh, I would welcome that. I would love it if, if someone could change my mind, but I just don't see how those movies, I'm not an expert on those movies. I'm also not a comic fanboy, so I don't have that stake in it, but <laughs> I don't see how those movies bring up deeper questions. And, you know, you can't just say, well, Batman's kind of, he's kind of like a Messiah figure he, and, he, and he has a bad, he had a bad childhood. Like, that's not enough. Or like Spider-Man is... Right. You know, Spider-Man kind of represents what it's like to feel different as an adolescent. Like, okay, that's not enough. Like, (laughs) like, those movies didn't invent that. Stanley and DC and whatever invented that. Like, you know, I get it that you've seen a bunch of movies with Thor and you're sad when he's beaten up by Thanos or whatever the fuck happens. (laughs) But, like, that doesn't make it profound in any way. Like, Captain America Civil War, I watched that movie and it was very dumb. Um, it didn't. Oh, so dumb. It was so. It was so dumb. <laughs> I was. I was hoping or waiting for some kind of actual question about like what what is the nature of loyalty or when when do your mm. morals, uh, you know, necessitate that you go against those you care about or something like that. And it was like, what? There was like no right. attempt to make it to make anything smart. I think is what. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's like they just build familiarity with these characters, or really just these actors. Like, you know, they've become familiar with Robert Downey Jr. That's and a good point. Fucking whatever the Thor guy's name is. Um, Hemsworth. Hemsworth, that's mm-hmm. right. And they just make different movies where different characters are either like friends or mad at each other. It's and basically WWE. It's WWE yeah. with superheroes and explosions and like $500 million budgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So like, like this big one. brawl arena. Yeah. I, I, I really think we should consider, because along these same lines, let's see, other movies that I haven't seen in a long time, but strike me as kind of similar to kind of these 90s action sci-fi movies would be like The Fifth Element, which I know is a beloved movie. A lot of people really like that movie. Also has Gary Oldman. Um, True. Playing, what is his character's name in that movie? God, it's another fucking great name. I'm going to look that up <laughs> real quick. But The Fifth Element, as well as Judge Dredd, which I think Judge Dredd, if I recall correctly, is um, significant because it comments on this idea of the nature of like law and what law and order means in like a futuristic society and what is this mm. what is a police state so it's like damn that's that's cool mhm but i guess a lot of like the interesting philosophical questions like we're not seeing them in movies but um there's some big tv shows that are getting into that stuff like black mirror yeah like this i started watching that recently and um this movie definitely feels like it gets into very like similar themes, uh-huh. like just things to do with identity and memory. And I just, I kind of like that intersection of like dreams and memory. Yeah. Like how they seem to kind of almost operate in the same, same way, the same regions of the brain. And like over time they feel like kind of the same, like memories tend to take on the feeling of a dream. Wow, that's a really good point. I was actually thinking, I, I didn't use those exact words, but I was thinking that about myself the other day. I was like recalling a memory that for me was like so foundational in my life. 
and was like so vivid for like many, many years. And now I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, like, first of all, I haven't thought about that memory in a while. And it's more hazy, sort of like the way a dream feels when you wake up in the morning. Like you remember these Mm -hmm. like these major like plot points in a dream, but never like a lot of the detail or maybe sometimes some detail or something, but right. They both in some way, like certain, uh, yeah. Oh no, you can go ahead. Just say like certain elements of them will last over time. And those, those will remain. And like, as you change as a person, like you kind of, you keep revisiting the memory, but it's changing with you as well as like a significant dream Mm -hmm. if you happen to have that um so it's not like it's not i don't think it's a one-to-one relationship to an actual historical event in your life it starts to take on like emotions and um you know that's a that's a huge spectrum like regret or joy like you know sometimes i'll think of a memory from a different part of my life and if I happen to be like really happy at that moment, I'll be really happy to have the memory. And if I happen to be really sad at the moment, I'll be really sad to have the memory because it's like this time that's lost. So yeah. there's like nothing absolute about it, really. It's just we just kind of bring it all into our own uh, personal mythology. Yeah, that's a really good way to really good way to put it. And how I know we've talked about this. I I definitely realized for me my kind of mental state or attitude or emotions will oftentimes directly correlate to the dreams I had the night before. So if I have like a panicky dream, I'll just kind of feel like I'm unstable a lot of like the next morning and just like not, Mm -hmm. you know, can't quite get my feet on the ground sort of thing. Or if I have like a, a dream where I'm like, where I meet someone, I'll just feel like this interesting connection with them in the same way that it's like, it does seem to like affect your current personality the same way. I'm like a memory does. Yeah. And that's like when at the beginning of the movie, when Schwarzenegger wakes up with a start and Sharon Stone is jealous that he dreamed of a brunette woman. Uh huh. Schwarzenegger's like, how can you, how can you be jealous of a dream? (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny seeing Schwarzenegger like, acting <laughs> yeah it, it really is because you know he he was a he was a muscle man before he became an actor and i want to say a muscle man <laughs> i love that as like a profession like <laughs> there's someone like, oh, yeah. what do you do i'm a muscle man like, oh, i'm a cool. muscle man cool. <laughs> a muscle uh, man <laughs> that's definitely a 90s feel to it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it totally did. Even. <laughs> uh, but I want to say his first, his first like real big movie was uh, Cameron, Terminator One. Mm. I think that was his first. I'm not positive, but I, I think that was his first like real big movie. And it's like funny because he, what's that? Like blockbuster? Because yeah, he was exactly. in like, Conan, right? But like that I, was that before Terminator. I thought it was, but I guess it, could be wrong. it very well could have been. Anyway, I think just in my mind, 
the point I was basically trying to make was I just think his character in Terminator is funny because he essentially doesn't have anything to say and he's supposed <laughs> to kind of be a robot. So I've never actually known what Schwarzenegger's acting abilities were known as, you know, like what, what are, what are his acting abilities and were they respected or was he just hired because he could move and became an action star and whatever, you know? Um, but in this movie, I, I was trying to pay attention to his acting and without trying to like be mean, there were a lot of moments where he would say a line and I would instantly think of the movie The Room. <laughs> because hearing a, a line delivered in kind of a similar accent is Tommy Wiseau. And like it just there are a lot of moments where I just I thought of like bye doggy and uh <laughs> like true. he would get out of the car, he'd be like Schwarzenegger would be like, Thank you. I'm like, God, that reminds me of the room. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Why are you me- well, how could you be jealous of a dream? It's like, <laughs> wow, that really reminded me of The Room. Yeah. Maybe it was an influence for Wiso. Yeah, yeah. He watched this movie and he was like, I must make, a, I must make my movie The Room. Yeah. I'm going to be just like him. <laughs> Biggest star in all Hollywood. I, uh, I recently was in San Francisco and every – San Francisco, the city has such a distinct look to it. And all the time, like every corner, I'd be like, hey, that kind of looks like the flower shop Tommy went to. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was wonderful. That's good to know that like in all the history of San Francisco, like the most dominant like cultural influence on your viewpoint of it yeah. is the room. Yes. Yeah. And it's <laughs> so many movies have been made there. And it's obviously such mm-hmm. a culturally significant place with many many landmarks i however i did see the mrs doubtfire house when i was there ah nice. oh it's a beautiful house yeah it's on nice. steiner street steiner if you remember street. she's like something 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 steiner street when she orders <laughs> that right. french food that's right you know what though it's funny we we didn't quite talk about the end so basically just like real quick quato's quato's <laughs> <laughs> body host is shot and basically mm-hmm. killed but Quato is surviving and that's right. when he tells Quaid Quaid start the reactor <laughs> start the reactor <laughs> and then Richter shoots Quato in the head right I was both disturbed amused not uh, I was well I was disturbed and amused and it made me laugh um I was just saying like what the fuck is Quato like yeah how did it grow out of this man's chest and how does it have its so. own consciousness? Right. Like, it's just this, like, mutation that became its own independent being. That's, yeah. Or at least independent consciousness. That's I love this man. In order, I think, in order for that guy to allow Quato to take over, he sort of goes into this trance-like state. Hmm. Oh, He's yeah, because like, Arnold's trying to, like, snap him out of it. Yeah. And... <laughs> The funny thing is, I feel like Quato is so big that there's no way that guy could ever walk around indiscreetly or discreetly <laughs> because Quato is pretty, not huge, but Quato is big enough that like that guy looks like he would wear about a shirt size medium, but right. it looks like in order for him to, to cover Quato, he would have to wear at least a double XL. Right. Mm-hmm. And like multiple coats. Yeah. Still probably look a little strange. Yeah. Be like, huh? Like you're like your shoulders and up and your waist and below don't really match what's going on right in the middle. Yeah. And you'd think that would kind of suffocate Quato. 
Like he'd yeah. have trouble breathing beneath multiple layers of clothing. Maybe that's why that he looked he... slimy. He was sweaty. That's right. Yeah. Because he's always yeah, he was hot. Just a little, little hot and gasping for breath yeah. because he could never really breathe. <laughs> Poor little guy. <laughs> what does he eat? Um, God, it's so fucking disturbing. I love it. Yeah. So then, then Quaid finds a reactor, starts it. Yeah, the reactor was built by the aliens um, half a million years ago. And apparently this idea is that Mars has this giant glacier. And trapped within the glacier is enough oxygen to create an atmosphere on Mars. And mm. the they the aliens built this reactor. And the reactor basically heats up these rods that instantly melt the ice and release all the oxygen into the air. So... By defeating uh, fucking Richter and then Cohagen, fucking I keep saying fucking Quaid, <laughs> Quaid starts the reactor. The reactor heats up and he saves the planet. All of Mars now has oxygen, no longer just held by this corporate Cohagen who controls the means, who controls all the oxygen. Marx. Marx, yeah, very much. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So well, it's good to see that he loses in the end. You know what's that? The good guys. It's good to see that he loses in the end. Cohagen. Yeah, the good guys prevail. The good guys prevail. Absolutely. But yeah, the, the nature of of Schwarzenegger's identity is still not utterly clear. Nope. Nor will it be. Nope. That's Phil K. Dick for you. I know. PKD. PKD. He's a trickster. Yeah, he wrote a wrote a lot of good ones. I'm not very familiar with him, but yeah, I've been kind of researching a little bit about him lately. I mean, the dude died at age 53, and he wrote like just dozens and dozens of books, hundreds of short stories. Wow! Um, because apparently he was constantly on speed. Really? Yeah, just nonstop. Apparently, I heard that his nickname was Speedy Phil. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. And a lot of his books and stories have to do with like people like losing their perception of reality and mm-hmm. sometimes even with like a drug, like a substance involved, uh, like a scanner darkly, which Link later turned into a film. Um, that's with right. Keanu Reeves. It's got that kind of rotoscope animation and yeah. it's like Keanu Reeves is this guy like Robert Arctor, I think, and he and a lot of other people are addic- addicted to something called like substance D or something like that Hmm. and so he ends up having like multiple identities formed from this substance so apparently that's like what philip k dick was actually experiencing due to his intense speed addiction was like unbelievable levels of like paranoia and like a dreamlike viewpoint on reality and just like you know (laughs) stuff was somewhat autobiographical wow so it's almost like the for him the drugs affected his perceptions so much that the perceptions almost became their own personalities that existed within this one brain. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. From the sounds of it. Um, he also, he wrote the book or story man in the high castle, which right. is now an Amazon show and takes place. Mm-hmm. I believe, I mean, it, it basically it's this alternate history where the Nazis and the Japanese win world war two. I watched the first mm-hmm. episode on Amazon. And I just I fell away from it, but I, I would like to watch the whole thing. Apparently, it's very good. Yeah, bro, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that he'd written it, and yeah. he obviously also wrote uh, "Why Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," 
which was adapted into Blade Runner and uh, uh, Minority Report. That's and right. Paycheck. He's just kind of like, kind of like Stephen King, where it's just like his stories just make movie and show uh-huh. after show. Another like, author that makes me think of those guys would be Arthur C. Clarke, if you're familiar with him mm-hmm. at all. He was a, yeah, two thousand one. Oh, of course. What the hell am I saying? Um, <laughs> those guys just they seem to they seem to have such an interesting like set of interests or maybe specific set of interests that they just like busted out uh story after story yeah they just like are constantly thinking about these deep things and finding new language and symbols mm-hmm. and stories to like explore the ideas yeah so kind of oh, <laughs> glad that i'm not afflicted with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point <laughs> well it was a deep one and a good one yeah it's good talking about some recall yeah, I think it's way better than your average action movie today. So that's yeah. a that's a big big happy thing. Definitely better than Inception. Yes, way better. Mm-hmm. Well, um, have some pleasant dreams, listener, and I hope that uh, your memories make you a happy and uh, satisfied person. Yes, absolutely. If not, you can probably go to Mars pretty soon. <laughs> Just hit up Musk. Hit hit up yeah. <laughs> Man, there needs to be a movie called Musk, or there needs to be a Musk character. <laughs> Musk and Bezos. At least three movies about Musk before he dies. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be great. Maybe yeah. one written by Aaron Sorkin would be good. Right. Yeah, he'd be a good, like, first one. Yeah. It should just be called Musk. Yeah, Musk. And that's mm-hmm. the bit with Jobs. Right? Exactly. Jobs. Yeah. So there could Bezos. be one called Musk, one called Elon. Elon, yeah. <laughs> very sci-fi name it is a very sci-fi name (laughs) all righty well quato lives and i hope you live listener and i hope you live well yeah very well very well